0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21. Plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See DKNG.com/slash B-Ball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Back again, like we never left, the Lunch Pail Draftcast is on episode. What are we on now, Jacob? Four? Technically four.
2: Uh, I think we might. We're at three. I believe. Wait. I was going to say, I think think it's technically four, but we're listing it as three because we did the The one. The first one was on the locker room
1: as a live stream. Yeah. Okay. And for our, I guess I would say not so loyal listeners just yet, we have a special guest, Um, buddy of mine. He was at uh, Over the Cap for a while. Now he's with Pro Football Focus. We got Brad Spielberger The
3: big fell on. How's it going, Brad? It's going great. I'm I'm honored to be the uh, the inaugural guest of of the pod. I appreciate it, and uh, we're one week away, folks. One week away from the draft. I think draft mania has never been as big as it is now. So I'm even even I maybe you guys agree. I'm almost I'm not I'm not sick of it. I still love it, but I'm almost getting to the point where I'm like. Can Thursday please happen tomorrow? Yeah, (laughs) that's
1: exactly where I'm at. And especially given that the three of us here have a rooting interest. We don't tend to hide it. Go follow Brad's timeline. Go follow Jacob's work. Go follow my podcast or my tweets. We're all Bears fans. It's not a secret here. And no one truly trusts Ryan Pace to be picking at 20 until 20 is on the board. The Bears are on there. And this says the pick is in because I think we all have an idea that they are going to do everything in their power to go get. Uh, a pit, a trade to go pick higher and get a quarterback which the ultimate fear is what the top four guys go within like the first six picks and you're left trading up to number eight with Carolina and you take Mac Jones but that's not why you guys tuned in today you know we spent the first couple episodes really go over, going over what some would call the trench warriors I call them the big uglies whatever you want to call them the fatties up front because fat lives matter and you build from the inside out, right? Brad, you build the team's inside out. Well, today we're going out wide. We're talking about DBs. We're talking about wide receivers. And I don't know about you guys, but last year seemed really deep in outside receiver talent. This year, I think you're kind of looking more at versatile inside kind of shifty guys for the wide receivers. So I guess the easy question is just off rip, who is the best receiver? Who's your wide receiver one, as it were in this class, Brad, you want to kick us off?
3: Sure. Yeah. I don't don't think this is a a controversial take in any stretch of the imagination. Um, I actually lived in new Orleans during the the 2019 and national championship season for Jamar chase at LSU. Um, I actually did not go to a game. I wish I, I wish I did. I went to the two years before, but anyways, um, you know, I think Jamar Chase, just what he was able to do at 19 years old, just absolutely dominate the SEC West. Um, the, you know, the, the third best conference in football, uh, you know, the NFC, the AFC, and then the SEC West is, is the next best conference in football. Um, and, and look, there's even um, I was breaking down. I wish the numbers were in front of me. But I was looking at basically how he did against guys like Trevon Diggs, um, fellow guys in the SEC that are now in the NFL, good players in the NFL. Um, and he was even dominating as those guys. So it, it's hard for me to, to I, I think he's honestly a tier above. Uh, I think he's a clear cut wide receiver one in this class for me,
1: man. That's controversial. You're upsetting Devonte Smith's fans all over the nation. I, I don't know how you're going to handle that. Um, it's going to get worse. It's going to get, gonna worse, get worse. People are going <laughs> to enter your mentions at a rate that I could only begin to fathom. Um, I mean, I I'm with you. Jamar chase is my number one. I mean, he, he needs help with some get off off the line. He does he does need to polish up some route stuff. He's not the most quote unquote explosive on the first step out of the, out of his breaks, but he is big, strong physical and it's become the in vogue comp. but it's kind of, it's really the only guy you see when you watch him. It's almost like some incarnation thereof of, of like Anquan Bolden meets Des Bryan. And that's who I see these big, strong physical guys. And personally a guy I really, when I watch him, and the reason I invoke Anquan Bolden is because at the end of his career, he was fat Quan. He had lost a lot of his his luster and his ability to separate. And he won just off of sheer heart and muscle, his ability to just win with strength. And that's kind of what Jamar Chase does. He does not play to that four, four, five, or whatever he tested. He is he's a four, five guy, and that's okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. Jacob, what about you? I don't know if you have Jamar as your number one, but I I am curious to hear.
2: Okay, so I have a bit of a confession to make. I had Devontae Smith as my wide receiver one for quite some time. Uh-oh. And at the time I released my draft guide, I put Devonte Smith as my number one receiver. But I've been thinking it over, and I'm going to be honest, my gut just doesn't feel great about that. <laughs> and I have all three receivers – uh, Jamar Chase, Jalen Wild, Devontae Smith, what have you. All of them have very similar grades for me, and they're very close mm-hmm. on my board. But I went through, and I moved Jamar Chase to number one. I finally bit the bullet, and I, I still have Devontae Smith as a very close number two simply because I think he's the best route runner. Yeah, you're you're a world. coward.
1: You, I'm you don't sorry. stick to your guns, coward. Just I'm whatever. Sorry. It's fine. It's, you know, you, now you got to go re- write your entire 400 player draft guide no. and apologize to everyone in NFL draft, Twitter land. That's what you have to do.
2: <laughs> I do. And I've been such a proponent of Devontae Smith for quite some time. And I recognize he gets a lot of crap and you're like, I get it. He's super skinny. He's not the biggest guy out there. I still think he's an incredible talent. I think he's the best route runner in this class. I think he's a very good athlete uh, and he plays a lot stronger than his build indicates. But I, here's the thing. There's a difference between, like, my mathematical grade on him and just my gut because, I'm going to be honest, Chase and Smith have the exact same grade for me. Is it more of an upside play then as to
1: why one replaced the other?
2: Yeah, more so the that. physical, physical upside?
1: Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of just segue this. Devonte Smith is the Heisman Trophy winner. He's the first wide receiver to win it and god I don't know. <laughs> like who was the last wide receiver to win a Heisman Trophy yet? I have to look that up, but I'm not going to take time to look it up. Someone else if they got the time, go ahead. But someone in the 90s, right? I know Charles Woodson's like the last
3: non-offensive player. Des- That's Desmond one- Howard, I guess, but he was kind of just like a weapon, but a weapon. Yeah, Howard, okay. There. Yeah.
1: So there Brad-, Brad gives us Desmond Howard. But I'm a little controversial. I actually have Devontae Smith all the way down at wide receiver four. And that upsets people. And it's not an indictment on him. It's more that I think that there's just better players with more upside. And mind you, I say this, he's wide receiver four, but still a top 20 talent in this draft. Does that make sense? Like, it's just a good receiver class and you're now Comparing him to I think his numbers were inflated and his production was inflated because he was missing Jalen Waddle. And Jalen Waddle might be the biggest quote unquote game breaker in this class of a dude when he's running, everyone else looks like they're in slow motion because he he's just that fast. Like it was kind of like he's a better version of Henry Ruggs, and Henry Ruggs went what, like sixteenth or seventeenth or something like that to Las Vegas? Twelve. So there you go went higher than I even remember. So I have Jalen Waddle as wide receiver two and wide receiver three. I actually have Rashad Bateman from Minnesota and Rashad. I like, and I admittedly was, I thought he was a lot faster than he was upon like reviewing tape. Like after a sophomore year, I was like, this dude's averaging 20 plus years. 20-plus yards a catch, this, that, the other. He's got good releases. He can play inside, outside. He, he's got a lot of tools in terms of what he can do as a wide receiver. I think he's a really crisp route runner, especially in the middle of the field and being able to sell his movements and get himself free. But he, he doesn't play as fast as that yard per catch rate would indicate. But I think even he offers a little more physical upside than someone like Devontae Smith when you're looking at him and you're just kind of like – You're so tiny and you're so small, but you're really good at football. The issue I come into, he's sub 170. How many sub 170 pound wide receivers are there in the NFL that have been productive for long stretches of time? And I struggle to come up with even one. Like, I don't know how you feel about that, Brad, because I see you nodding along a little bit, but I just kind of want to get your thoughts on where that stands.
3: Well, no, I'm proud of you because I was – I thought uh, I was going to be breaking away as – he's not my wide receiver two either. It's Jalen Waddle. Um, I'm also a Waddle guy. I think the upside there – I, I don't know, upside's a, a buzzword call, and whatnot. But, I, but I think he has – so Yeah, he has just game-breaking ability that none of the other guys have. Um thing with Smith, too, is I think it's kind of starting to annoy me at this point when everyone – the, the size, obviously part of the size concerns are, of course, durability. My thing with the size concern is that, yes, he's a phenomenal route, route runner. Yes, his releases are great and all of that. But a guy playing off coverage on Devontae Smith in the NFL is not afraid about getting beat over the top because he's not that fast. And if they get hands, if you get hands on him, like, you can probably control him. So I, I just think that, yes, he's still going to get over. He's still going to be very good. But he, he's a Z to me. He's not an X wide receiver. Nope. Um, I, I just don't really see it um Bateman's i respect the bateman call too. i have him above rashad bateman but i i do respect that call
1: i mean we all have our guys we'll get to my it's not a secret anymore but we'll get to my true favorite dude in the class in a little bit but jacob go ahead
2: yeah so i'm loving this rashad bateman talk uh i'm a really big fan of his uh have been for since the first time i watched him god i don't i don't even remember when exactly that was but it's been a while uh I'm just a big fan of the way that he moves. Like he's not the most explosive guy out there. He's not going to be the fastest receiver in this class, but he's so fluid and just his footwork uh, in his releases, whether he's going up against press, whether he's eating up uh, that space against off man, or he's, you know, utilizing out in the slot, what have you, he's dang good. And he's not necessarily real good he's not necessarily as fast as he is fluid. And that's something I really like, especially for a guy who's projecting best as an X receiver at the next level.
1: So would you almost say like, just as a question, like I, cause I was using the same terminology a couple years ago when Alabama put out Calvin Ridley, is that a similar assertion where you could say he's not the most explosive guy in the world? Because we remember the lower body explosiveness thing is what ended up killing Ridley along with his eight draft age and you start talking about, well, Rashad Bateman isn't the fastest. He's not the most expl- inherently explosive guy, but he just finds ways to get free, and Devontae Smith does too. I don't want that to be lost on anyone, but he's just not as big, and I would argue with you that I think for as, Jamar Ch- as much as Jamar Chase is the best contested catch guy in the draft this year, I would argue with you that Rashad Bateman has an argument to go with him.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I think that uh, when we're comparing Rashad Bateman to, like you said, like a Calvin Ridley, uh, I, do, I do feel like neither of them are necessarily the most explosive guys in their respective classes. But, you know, they're both sound route runners. R- Ridley may be a little bit more so than Bateman, but I think Bateman has the upper hand in terms of physicality. Uh, it doesn't necessarily matter how tight the window is, if it's a 50 50 ball or just tight coverage against across the middle of the field on like a seam or a slant or something like that. He does a good job of coming down with the football. And I think he's as reliable as you can get. Uh, Now where, how high exactly he'll go. I'm not so sure because I feel like a lot of it, I feel like a lot of it depends on when the run on wide receiver starts. When does Jamar chase come off the board? Does he get, get off at five or six or does he tumble a little bit? Well, then does, the other
1: question I think in terms of that is Kyle Pitts is not a tight end. He's a yeah, pass catcher.
2: Does exactly. Kyle
1: Pitts going number four, hypothetically to Atlanta, speed everything up? And that's a question I don't know. And uh, Brad, I, I'm interested to your, for your thoughts on that.
3: It's a great question. Uh, I think that there is a decent likelihood that that Pitts does end up going four. Um, it's tough though. I think there's also, it's going to be tough for Atlanta Um you know, I, I could see a scenario where they just go ahead and take a quarterback, but as many people have pointed out, which which makes me happy, um, that, that Matt Ryan restructure makes it very difficult to justify. Um, you basically he is he's unmovable for the next two years. Like he he yeah, he's has like to a be on the 40 million dead cap hit or something like for that. For next year. This year it's like 65 million. So he's not he's not oh, going God. anywhere. Oh yeah. Yeah, because because they restructured him this offseason to you know, push some cap down the line. So even in 2022, even if you trade Matt Ryan for whatever some great haul. You're paying him in cap forty million dollars to not be on the roster, and so we talk about the rookie contract, co- rookie quarterback contract window, and all of that, which is this phenomenal, you know, value, and it's how a lot of teams have, you know, basically made Super Bowl runs, and um, you know, Mahomes it, it got on the list forever. You don't really have that in Atlanta, so I do see a scenario where if no one is making a good trade up offer, um, and just to touch on Bears a little bit, I personally don't see Atlanta going past like a Denver. I don't think they're going to trade in the twenties four to 20 is just too big of a drop. I just don't think they'd do it. Um, most analysts say this class has 13 to 16 good play, you know, like premier players in it. Um, so I'd say Atlanta's floor is probably new England at 15. Um, but anyways, long story short, I do think it's possible. Um, and then I also, I think chase it to, uh, to the Bengals at five. It just seems like a lock to me at this point. It doesn't it though? And it, I don't know. So we got, we got
1: through the big four, those guys, I, I think Jacob and I both are kind of at the point in our draft pro- evaluating process where you get tired of talking about the top four because they're, they're easy. They're projectable. It's like, hey, and choose your flavor. These are the four best pick one. But I guess the question then becomes if you're outside of that, call it top 25, 20 area, who is that next cloud As Ryan Pace would refer to it as players. Oh, and before, while I bring up Ryan Pace, he nods an agreement to the dead cap money. Of, of Matt Ryan because oh man void years and restructurings on top of restructurings I'm here for it no I'm not I'm not here for that at all <laughs> um, okay so I know for me personally and this is obviously evaluations are fluid but I already alluded to him earlier in the draft my fifth wide receiver in this class is Rondell Moore. And I'm hesitant to say it that way because he's not really what I would term a wide receiver. He's kind of in the same vein as what I was terming Curtis Samuel coming out of Ohio State a couple of years ago. He's weapon. Just give him the damn ball. Line him up inside, outside, in the backfield, punt return, kick return. I don't need him getting a ton of touches. Like, don't treat him like the Bears were doing Cordero Patterson last year, where you're just handing in the ball ten times a game. He doesn't need to do that just give him the ball seven times a game in some fashion and just let him work. now, again, if I'm making the argument about his weight for Devonta Smith, I do have to do the same for uh, more in his height, all things being equal. He measured in at five foot seven and some change at his pro day. How many five foot seven wide receivers and in quotations are there in the NFL? I don't think there's one like I'd have to go look for it, but I really don't believe there is one that I can think of. Who's been productive off the top of my head. And while Moore does a lot, he's, he's only got one release. He's got his speed release and that's, it. that's all he needs. Cause he's so damn fast, but he's got a speed release. He's so twitchy and just all over the place with his speed. He's got stop start. He's unbelievable. He's my favorite offensive player to watch in this class, but, He's limited, and I worry about that frame holding up because he's already had soft tissue injuries, and I'm just wondering where my love ends and the realism of him begins with people who watch him that aren't me because I'll, I'll sit here and stay. If the Bears took him at 20, I'd be like, yeah, cool, I'm fine with it just because I like him and the dynamic he brings. So feel free to jump in.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, so with Rondale, I have him as my wide receiver five as well and the size and the durability concerns are there i i think that that's going to knock him out around one for me uh and it sucks because when he's on the field he's so much fun to watch i mean there are very that's putting it lightly there i honestly don't think there's a receiver who's as good after the catch as he is with the ball in his hands whether it's you know, end around jet sweeps or bubble screens or whatnot. You get the ball in his hands. You give him some space to work with. He's going to make some plays. Uh, And that's what makes him so fun. And I think that he's still developing as a route runner for sure. But I do think he's a little bit more sharp coming out of his breaks than someone like a Kadarius Tony, which, you know, is interesting because they're both pretty – shifty guys after the catch but i think rondale's just maybe a little bit crisper in his cuts and faster uh, yeah
1: and faster. <laughs> but i hear that i've got an axe to grind with Kadarius tony but brad's got know. this look on his face of you're an idiot and i'm curious no i not, no,
3: trust me i would never argue that i know more than you guys in any stretch of the imagination in this in this uh area whatsoever but uh he's definitely i hope i don't get kicked off the podcast he's definitely not my wide receiver five <laughs> Well, um, ending the call. Probably, We're done. If I had, I don't, I don't actually have a list, but if I did, I think he'd probably come in at like eight. Um, That's fair. My one, two, five is, is Terrace Marshall. Um, I know that there, there that there was medical concerns that came out this past week, um, but for me, inside outside, you know, guy that can win inside outside. Um, you mentioned Rashad Bateman coming in short, you know, about six six feet and a half inch. He was supposed to be six mm-hmm. two. Uh, Marshall was the opposite. He's like a full six three. Um, you know, good size on him. And I just think, you know, this is, you know, kind of looking at the data. Um, I mean, he, he, he was played play on the outside in their ch- national championship year. Um, you know, was very good, dominant deep ball guy, but it's not, that's not his game um, entirely. And then he was in the slot this year, kind of in the Justin Jefferson role. Um, and it was, again, it was dominant before he opted out, kind of, you know, towards the end of the season. So um, he's a choice for me there, but I think it, is, it comes down to, at this point, we're getting into, like, stylistically. Um, I Flavors of what you enjoy, enjoy, enjoy
1: watching. Ahead. I mean, and that's what the one thing we were talking about. You said inside-outside, and I made the comment as we started the show. We do have a lot of these guys that tend to be inside-outside but tend to elevate more in the slot. Now, I'm going to pass it over to Jacob because a guy that just popped into my mind when you say inside-outside, he's what I would term like a wide receiver robot because he's got a brother in the NFL who plays in Green Bay and Brian Guston. He's got a younger brother I believe going to college and he's at USC himself coming out this year and that's Amon Ra St. Brown. I've got my own thoughts on him and I I admit we're at the time of paralysis by overanalysis type of year with it, time of year with him. I'm not the biggest fan, but I do know Jacob has some pretty strong thoughts on him and I'm curious as to what he has to say on Mr. St. Brown.
2: Yeah, so I have Amon Ross St. Brown as my wide receiver eight right now.
1: Out of your uh, damn fool mind. We're fighting. I just no. Yeah absolutely
2: not. <laughs> really? No. <laughs> Come on. Come uh, on. Man. Go, okay. Where do yeah. you
1: have? Go I uh, I'm abstaining from answering. <laughs> you you do you, dog.
2: Okay, all right. Well
3: <laughs> I am going with the go same Saint- <laughs> God.
2: Here
3: I feel go. so much love here. I feel so much
2: love. <laughs> We're kicking
1: Brad's uh, never invited back. I'm kicking Jacob off. It's gonna just be me. It's I'm my, just
3: curious if you if you have him above or below. I don't even know. Do you like you hate a monra? Do you like a monra? I'm, I'm Dan, I don't even know what, where they okay. coming from. Let's go, Jacob, and I'll I'll give my
1: <laughs> thoughts on a munra
2: go ahead. Okay. All right. So yeah, I have him at wide receiver eight. I feel like he's a pretty well-rounded receiver in my opinion. I mean, is he, can I look at him and say he's necessarily elite in a in a certain aspect of the wide receiver position? I'm not so sure, but I look at a guy who's been productive for quite some time. He topped a thousand yards uh, in 2019 and, you know, a very talented USC group that had Michael Pittman Jr. and Tyler Vaughn's competing for tape, uh, for snaps there. You know, I think he's a good athlete. I think he brings a nice combination of uh, length to the table as well as solid speed to stretch the field vertically. Uh, and I think he's got good vision after the catch too. And he's shown some pretty good, uh, maybe not great physicality, but I do think he's not necessarily weak, I guess. And then after the catch, I feel like he brings some nice juice there. So I can't necessarily look at him and say, okay, he's elite in one area. But I don't know exactly if he has a major weakness. Like, sure, there are areas he can improve. I think that his uh, variety and releases can be mixed up a little bit. But I don't think he's bad in any area. I think he's decent at a lot of things. And that makes him a solid complementary high-end wide receiver three, decent wide receiver two to me. Uh, yeah, yeah. And- so I mean, I I take him around round three. That's the grade I have him on him right now. Uh, Man, I'm, I'm interested I'm in hearing. Like a jerk. <laughs> I'm in- I'm <laughs> interested in hearing what you have to say. Okay. I'm really interested. In hearing- um, You're getting a lot of crap for this, so I'm.
1: <laughs> I am, I'm and, I, to- and I probably deserve every amount of crap for when I crap on him, and he becomes like a great wide receiver in the NFL because that's what happens to me. I go hard on a guy that I don't like, and he ends up being great and i go hard on a guy like rondale moore that i really like and he's going to be out of the league in four years because you know logic
2: <laughs> hey um, I, I bit really hard on carlos henderson back in 2017 He was a oh, third rounder with the Broncos. oh God. i was i was such a big fan of his i loved watching him go after the catch didn't play it down in the nfl
1: so i have a monroe raw st brown as wide receiver 12 um <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Okay. And all right, we're gonna just give you the quick rundown. I got Marshall six, uh, Tony's eight, Nico Collins nine. I actually have him behind the likes of tylen Wallace and Dwayne Eskridge as well. Okay. And it's not like I hate Amon Ra, but kind of to your point where I think he's Jack of all trades, master of none when it comes to being a wide receiver, and that's partially because he is from that family where his dad was probably so focused on making him well-rounded that he never really excelled at any one thing. I would argue his best trait is his route running, but I just don't see a path in which he's anything more than like a wide receiver three slash four, because he doesn't do anything quite special and there's nothing wrong with that. It's a solid NFL player. I mean, I just I'm left wanting more because it feels like he's he's got physical ability, not like he's nothing special in terms of his 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 God given abilities, as it were. But I just watch him and just like he's fine. And there's nothing wrong with being fine. Like, you know, he's like, let's put it in dating perspective. He's the girl next door. He's fine, but he's not. That girl from TV, you know, if that makes sense, what I'm getting at, like,
3: <laughs> I don't. It, it, it's a weird analogy, but I follow. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: just like I can't <laughs> explain it other than like he's, he's fine,
3: you know, whatever. <laughs> no, I hear you. I think like when you're trying to project to the next level as well, like you want something to stick out. Um, I kind, I, I kind of agree. I think he's like solid all around, but I guess you're you're saying like if I already think a guy is solid all around at, at this level, then like. Am I drafting a Josh Reynolds, in the, you know, in the third round? Like, that's not really what I'm shooting for. Uh, I mean, he's a fine player. I don't know why he had to catch a stray there. But, like, he's just a guy. No, I mean, when I, when I, I, I think felt... of a guy that's just, like, average at everything, like, that is, like, a very good wide receiver four, but, like, I would never want to be more than a wide receiver four. Like, I just think of Josh Reynolds. That's just, I guess, a personal thing. <laughs> yeah, Josh um, Reynolds just
1: catching sh- straight yeah, bullets and, over here. Know, like,
3: hey, look, he's a good player. I thought, he, you know, the Titans made a nice signing there. But, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't expect him to become, like, you know – like a number two option or even really a five. So I want everyone to be
1: prepared. He's going to go for like 1400 yards and six touchdowns this year because I just am not high on him. That's what happens. Um, you know, (laughs) so I do kind of want to get to a guy I did mention as someone I have ahead of him and it's not by much. It's literally a spot and that's Dwayne Eskridge. And I feel like the draft community is getting a little bit carried away with where he's at. So a couple of big red flags for me is I'm call me ageist. I hate older draft prospects and it's because a lot of times they're already maxed out. They get to the NFL. They've worked their way into this prominent role at a small school like Anthony Miller, catching 15 plus touchdowns, each of his final two years at Memphis. I had him as wide receiver two in his draft and I look real good for that now, don't I? Um, but <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of those things like where does the the work ethic end and the actual lack of talent begin because work ethic can only get you so far before you need to take into consideration Western Michigan does play in the, in the Mac. He is got a, he does have a lot of reasons for having to stay in school for as, as long as he did. He didn't like produce in a way like where he just couldn't be ignored up until this season. Like it, there's just so much going on that I just have questions about. And I just need the Steve Smith comparison to stop. <laughs> like, and that's where I'm at. And it just needs to end. And he's a lot of fun. He's like, a, he's so explosive and he's so fast in a straight line. And he does so much well where you, if you get him in round three, let's say you're getting a good solid football player, but I feel like he's almost going to get to the point where he's overdrafted and someone's going to be expecting way too much out of him, especially with the Steve Smith comp floating around everywhere.
3: Yeah, I completely agree. First of all, there is only one Steve Smith senior. There's one of one. If you want to get comp to Steve Smith, I need to hear you talking trash and just being an absolute, like, you know, outside of football, just being, you know, just dedicated beyond belief. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I think um, something I noticed is kind of like how stocks fl- fluctuate pre and post senior bowl. And I feel like he just lit the senior bowl on fire. And then now everyone is like, like you said, it's kind of gotten a little out of control. Um, yeah, he's, he was he, a redshirt senior. And he's like 5'10", may, maybe on a good day. Um, and I think he had just, I think he just turned 24. Yeah, like I agree with like, you too. I, I'm also probably to a fault. But I'm one yeah, of the people absolutely. who are like, like uh, yeah, like older prospects for, and me that do not mesh well. Like this is not even football, a football comment, but like when people wanted the Bulls to take Obi Toppin, I literally was like, it's the dumbest thing I have ever heard in my entire life. The guy's forty five <laughs> years old, like <laughs> guy, the guy's literally guy is, a thousand years old. <laughs>
1: he's got three children. He's got alimony. He's playing it paying his yeah. ex wife. He needs to go away. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. It's not right. in football, but you know you, you know what I mean. Yeah. All right,
1: Jacob, Dwayne Eskridge, thoughts opinions ideas
2: like
1: where do you think he fits
2: I have Dwayne Eskridge right now as wide receiver 14
1: oh you got him lower Uh, than I do
2: I do and I think that age does play a part in it Uh, I have him knocked off a little bit because he is 24 and the question remains I mean he's gonna be like what probably 28 29 by the time he hits free agency after his first rookie deal by that time, most wide receivers have gotten their second contract and are well into that second contract. So it's just a matter of how much usefulness can you get out of him and is he already developed to the best that he can be? It's Yes, yeah,
1: the Anthony Miller argument. Like, is he as good exactly. as he already is? Like, yeah. how much better is he?
2: And, and don't, don't get me wrong. I love, I love Dwayne Eskridge's tape. Uh, I, I still have him, you know, in that, like, third-round range. I think he's a really talented player, and I honestly wouldn't be mad uh, if a team took him in, like, the late second And because I think he's an, a very good athlete on tape, and I love the uh, juice that he brings after the catch. His testing might not have been, you know, up but to par. But what flavor is think. the juice? Uh, Prune.
1: Guava.
3: Prune.
1: Guava? <laughs> Prune. Why?
3: He's old. old, wow.
0: Jesus <laughs> Christ.
1: Okay, moving on from the prune juice. <laughs> We're um,
2: really just crapping on old people this
0: entire year. We prune.
1: just lost they the just demographic just of us, yeah. anyone over the age of like 35. <laughs> <laughs> um I don't think we really need to touch on Elijah Moore. He's an awesome slot receiver, and I think that's I think he's almost become a flavor that we've talked about too much where he's been everywhere, it seems like, especially after he posted that ridiculous three-cone video. Um, I do like him, but I don't think much needs to be said unless you guys have some sort of outstanding thought regarding Elijah Mitchell, like from Ole Miss. Like, is one, our-
3: one of the best touchdown celebrations ever. But Besides that, he's uh, right. I'm a fan for sure, but he's a slot. Yeah, yeah, he's a
1: slot guy. And that's fine. And like I said, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's like we have so many people that we that I kind of want to get to and cover that. And we only got so much time in a day. Right. So I'm curious as to where you two feel Nico Collins should exist in this wide receiver world that we're talking about right now, because the production's not great. The quarterbacking situation was even worse. Shout out to Jim Harbaugh and his ability to find quarterbacks. Um,
2: Hey, JJ McCarthy, you heard it here first. JJ McCarthy, freshman coming in to Michigan from Nazareth Academy In Lagrange, Illinois, I'm aware. Yes, he is going to be a first-round pick in the 2024 NFL Draft. You heard it here first. Heard it here
1: first. Well, wait (laughs) till Jim Harbaugh gets his hands on him and ruins him. Because (laughs)
3: that's that clip. Save this clip. Cut this out, Dan, and just send it. I'm gonna. I am gonna cut this
1: out. But (laughs) I, I have Nico Collins actually is like a mid-second, late-second round pick. And maybe I'm out of my mind, but it's like what he did at the senior bowl when he finally got a quarterback that wasn't Michigan's, especially in the practices and stuff. And you saw the physical capabilities of him himself. It's like he is raw, but he's not, he's not 24. He is a work in progress, but it's like, you see the physical tools Mixed with, if you just get him out of Michigan and let him develop with a real wide receivers coach. Like, I think he'd actually be perfect in Pittsburgh because they just develop receivers like it's going out of style. And, you know, they're about to do it again.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, I I, I think the the Shea Patterson adjustment um, when watching (laughs) Michigan wide receivers, it's necessary. I mean, there was actually like a clip yesterday um, from, from Nate Tice on Twitter where literally the ball was like, it was one of the worst thrown passes I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, like clean pocket, like, probably, a, I don't know, 10-yard, 10, 10 like, you know, over the middle. And he, had, he was so far behind Nico Collins, I, it was insane. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's another guy where he's basically, it's basically, like, it's a flavor family. I mean, he's big. He's probably the, the biggest um, or one of the, you know, kind of bigger prospects. Um, I mean, look, I think there's going to be also, I think, every year you have to kind of see, like, what happens in years past, even though it shouldn't be the case. Um, I think Donovan Peoples Jones had like a good year last year in Cleveland. Um, You know, fell to the sixth for some, some non football reasons as well as football reasons. But, you know, I I think Nico Collins probably goes third, maybe fourth. And I think he'd be like, he could become a really good value, um, you know, in in, in those middle rounds.
1: And I'll admit I am much higher on him than most because I, I'm a person, I'm a personal trainer by trade. I got a degree in exercise science. Like I'm, I'm some, I sometimes fall way too in love with the physical trait, but when you watch him and you, if you were to design a receiver in a lab and what they should look like, Nico Collins looks like that. He's got to be pushing 220. He's probably every bit of six foot four. And you're just like, it's hard when you're evaluating receivers that play with bum ass quarterbacks because you're like, you're trying to figure out what's good and what's bad on their end. And I feel like he's that weird in between where you're like, yeah, he's got issues, but he was also having Shea Patterson throw him the football. And I've, I don't even who was Michigan's quarterback this year because M- Shea Patterson's been a pro for a year. But like, you didn't play this
3: year. He opted out, right? Yeah. Well, he, yes. Yeah. I think you're right. So it was was it Dylan McCaffrey? He transferred at some point. I I, I couldn't even tell I, you. I he couldn't Michigan's tell you. So guy. that's I think it was Dylan McCaffrey at one point. I don't know who it was from that point on though. Uh, the
1: footballing McCaffrey clan. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I just really like him, and I wanted to hear other thoughts on him because I understand my evaluation of him is purely based on the fact that there's upside needed. And and it's it's just impossible for me to ignore that dude's physical prowess.
2: Yeah, so with Nico Collins, again, I'm not so sure, like we've been saying, when the bad quarterbacking stops and when the issues with him begin. Uh, But there's no denying he had an incredible senior bowl Uh, He measured in really well, like 6'4", 215. I mean, he's built, and he has, like, a huge catch radius and everything. I'm I'm looking right now on playerprofiler.com. He has a 94th percentile catch radius, which to me is – That's
1: Looney Tunes. Stop that.
2: (laughs) Which is wild to me. And, you know, he's just such a big guy, and he's got such strong hands and – he tested really well too. I feel like he's got the ability to stretch the field vertically. And even if he doesn't create separation right off the snap, whether it's a speed release or anything like that, I feel like he has the strength in his frame and the long arms needed to just box out guys at the point of attack and just dominate at the catch point.
3: Yeah, Uh, no, I completely agree. I completely agree. And And he, like you said, he's a, he's a true six, four. He's not a, six, four, that ends up being six, one and a half. And, and um, yeah, he tested really well. I think specifically in explosive drills, like in the broad jump, in the vertical, like he put up great numbers. So yeah. I agree. He, 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 I think probably some of the separation would come from like polishing his routes and, and things of that nature. Um, So maybe he can get better at that. But even like you said, even if, um you know, out of the gate, it's not really what he's great at. I, I think he could just be a contested catch guy to, you know, to start off his career. Yeah. And I feel like we're so looking at
1: Brad just wants to throw him nothing but fades in the end zone. That's all he gets.
3: Go
2: <laughs> Yeah. More or less. I see him in that exact same light as you, Brad. I think that round three, round four is about fair for him. Uh, I, I guess did I'll throw it-
1: myself off a
2: bridge. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> just
1: whatever. Yeah.
2: I mean, okay. I did knock him off a little bit. Cause I don't think he brings elite lateral quickness on tape. I mean, he did test pretty well in agility for his size, uh, I do think that that didn't show up as well as I would have liked on tape though. So I knocked him off a little bit for that, but I do think that's about fair for him because that's using, you know, a decent amount picked to the point where, okay, this is a really toolsy guy with a high ceiling, but at the same time, there's still a bit of question mark surrounding his game. So we can, you know, wait it out a little bit, not take a, you know, pick on him the first, you know, the top 50 or whatnot. And, you know, just see what you have with him Cause I feel like, Sure, there's bust potential with him there because we haven't seen a whole lot of him uh, in terms of, you know, that complete route tree and playing with a good quarterback. But just the size, the physicality, and the speed he brings, that's enticing in itself.
1: Absolutely. So let's move on to someone I guess I would be criticized as hating because I just... There's something about being hyped as a top two to three-ish round pick. And you being allergic to catching the football, and I just can't move past it. He's got physical tools. I understand he's got some highlight reel grabs. I just quite simply don't get it with Diami Brown from North Thank Carolina. You. I knew I knew I, you were you. I knew where
3: you were going while, while you were describing I, I, that. By the way,
1: and <laughs> it just it, he fights the football like he, he It's like he when the ball is in mid flight, he takes his hands off puts flat pans outside in as his replacement and just proceeds to fight it and slap box the football. I don't know what the problem is, but it needs to stop and he needs to stop going into top two rounds of mock drafts. Cause he doesn't deserve to be there. I would sooner take his teammate from, from uh, North Carolina, Daz Newsom, before I would take Diami Brown because he infuriates me and I can't, not getting ma- he makes me want to take my computer and throw it across the room <laughs> because he's just infuriating to watch play football because it's it's not like oh he's raw just teach him how to play he's just inconsistently he's inconsistent to the point of being ma- making me mad at him so yeah
3: I, i'm on my soapbox as well so go, go ahead
1: jake <laughs> i'm on my soapbox and i'm gonna leave now <laughs>
2: I'm just going to say this whole segment is going to age so well when the Bears end up with Kellen Mond and De'Ami Brown after the first two rounds. Uh, but, yeah, I'm with you there. I think that Brown, to me, he's solid in a lot of areas, but I can't look at one particular Aspect of his game and say, okay, this guy's a stud here. Kind of like that Amonra St. Brown sort of situation, but I think Amonra has stronger hands and he's more consistent with catching the football. Uh like Damian Brown, I want to say he ran like a you know 445 at his pro day. So, you know, give or take half of what whatever, like five hundredths of a second. I think that's the point zero five. I think that's the decimal term for it. But I just don't feel like he's good in a handful of areas. Like I think he has really good ball skills and his ability to port himself in the air, I think is really good and square up to the football. Uh, and I like what he brings after the catch. It's just a matter of catching the football. It's catching the football. And I think as a route runner, he has some room to improve. I think his diversity and his releases off the snap, uh, especially against press, I think could improve a bit. Uh, and he's a, solid athlete but i don't think he's necessarily a great one so it's just a matter of how early do you want to take a guy like that
1: are we getting ready to throw brad off the podcast again cuz he uh, i'm thinking he likes me brown too
3: <laughs> oh no no i i don't i don't disagree uh, he does i there was some um again you know P- pfs never perfect there was some tweet where i guess we said he had like only had like one or two drops and someone was like this is just not true like he's got a lot of drop <laughs> issues um and then I, I watched a bunch of his tape and stuff, and I agree. Like he, there's several points where you're like he's like he's like punching the ball away from himself. Like it's it's strange. Uh, I do think I don't know. I think it's the intriguing thing there is that like downfield he he just like he, he wins a lot. Um, but I think part of that as well is is that Sam Howell, obviously the quarterback, is you know one of the, one of the top prospects in that class. So. Um, I, I too, know. like I Mitch Trubisky,
1: too. Uh, I probably don't hate him. As you, yeah, no,
3: legendary, <laughs> legendary UNC quarterback. Um, yeah, I probably don't dislike him as much as you guys, but um, I did see the, I did see the, uh, I agree with you. the hands are a little suspect, um, and the class is deep. Like, I have other guys, like you know, ahead of him that maybe we'll get to, like, for sure. I, I agree with you there.
1: All right, let's go to a couple of, or, well, we won't say a couple. We'll say one, really, that started to take off as of the past month, and that's Jalen Darton. Um, I don't think I can recall a receiver rising like Darnell Mooney kind of got its own little hive going last year, but it wasn't this where Jalen Darden is like gone from late round draftable and a fun prospect to, if he's not gone by round four, the whole NFL is making a mistake and it's crazy. I, Admittedly, I've only watched a handful of games, so I really don't feel too terribly comfortable commenting too much on him because I was late to the party on him. I'm not going to sit here and say otherwise, and I'm getting more to his film as within the last week of the draft to see if I can get a better feel for him. The one thing I will tell you is he does give you shade to Darnell Mooney in terms of he's not the biggest guy, but he's really fast, straight line. He competes bigger than his size would indicate, he does certain things you really like, especially coming from a small school wide receiver. I just want to know if, I guess in your guys' opinion, if the meteoric rise of sorts is warranted this close to the draft.
3: Go, go, Jacob, you obviously celebrated, so go ahead. I have some thoughts yeah. too, but you, you were excited.
2: Oh, man. I I am a big Jalen Darden guy. I <laughs> See, here's the thing. Last year, I was very high on Darnell Mooney, but I don't feel like I was high enough on him. I was scared off by the size uh, and said, "Okay, you know, here's a smaller guy from a group of five school, even though he's fast, even though he's sound as a route runner, even though he's elusive after the catch. I got too worried about his small school status and his just general frame. And Darnell Mooney looked really good. Maybe this is reactionary on my part. I don't know. We'll see what happens down the line. Uh, but this is a bet that I'm willing to take on Jalen Darden. I, You guys are going to probably laugh at me. I have Jalen Darden as wide receiver 10.
1: You're out of your damn fool mind. <laughs> but that's okay. We all have our quirks. That's fine. We all have got our weird guys that we can't let go of. Shout out to Brock Purdy. But, um, you know... Is what it is. Like I said, I don't feel comfortable really commenting much more on what I said on basically, like, I don't want to get too nuanced with him because I just haven't watched more than like two games. And I don't think that's a fair critique. So
3: um, Brad, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I I had to pull up, so he don't, don't feel crazy at all. Jacob, Um, you know, Mike Renner has him as wide receiver 11. I had to, I had to pull up Mike's analysis because Mike is, Mike is in love with him um, and, and has been for a long time. He might be why this kind of this late meteoric rise is happening. He's been, raving about him for like months at this point um i went back and watched i also watched a ton but i did watch a few games um he he breaks tackles like crazy like i just i love guys that can break tackles in the open field um and he's so slippery Like and and moody was that last year too like moody was shaking and baking guys all over the field um and i see a lot of that with darden as well but yeah so he's his wide receiver 11 um i I, again i again at this point i don't have i don't have a list i'm not going to make up a number but um i was super impressed when i watched him no question um, and I think I, you know, I could see him in, in the, in the, in the third round. Absolutely. And we're going to,
1: I'm always one to kind of poke fun at myself. If you listen to the first episodes, as I'm sure some of you guys did, I was big fan, like hive member number one of James Hudson from university of Cincinnati at offensive tackle and proceeded to have my parade completely rained on when he tested like complete doodoo trash butter. And, um, we have another guy that I, I do have a bias towards Louisville football players. I'm a Louisville fan, but sometimes that plays into some things when, for instance, I'm an SIU grad. I was on Jeremy Chin before everybody, and then he proceeded to blow up his pro day and pretend like people didn't exist in the FCS world, and that's Tutu Atwell. And, oh boy, I knew he was small. I didn't know he was sub 150, and that's not just bad; that's horrible. And my in my best northeast accent, horrible. Is, am I doing that right, Brad? You're you're in the northeast. Horrible. <laughs> um, but to kind of give you a quick synopsis, Tua Atwell is kind of more of an inside re- receiver, not the best route runner. Completely wins off the fact that he is unbelievably fast but I wasn't expecting him to like at this point, if he gets drafted in like the fifth, sixth round, if he becomes JJ Nelson, I think you're calling that a win. Like I I don't know where else to go with him because I thought he was bigger than he was because he's not a great route runner. His hands are inconsistent. If you knock him off the line with his, with his frame, he's not recovering fast enough because he just can't fight back with his hands. He's not strong enough. So he's really in a weird position where he's too small, not the best route runner. His hands are mildly inconsistent. He just doesn't do enough to warrant taking more or passing like round five. And that kills me because I actually think if he were just a little bigger, you could, you could argue him being in three or four and that so Another pr- parade of Dan's rained on completely. And
3: I think are. just like a quick note, just on like that, like I think folks sometimes get um, they think people make too much of a deal out of like the height and weight and all and the testing numbers and all that stuff. I think the best way to look at it is like this. Like if you're in the middle kind of media area, that's fine. But there's extremes that are just extreme and like 149 pounds in the NFL. Like I probably weighed that when I was in like sixth grade. That's but what like, I was going to say. I was a 145 <laughs>
1: like, pound wrestler my seventh grade year.
3: Yeah, so it's I'm like, 206 it's right now. That's too small. You can't do that in the NFL. And then Jake... also, too, that the weight also didn't come at a pro day where he was testing. The weight came at the you know the NFL like hosted like a whole. Yep. If I'm him, just eat a bunch of pizza and, and gain as many pounds as possible. <laughs> take, a bunch of crea- take a bunch of creatine and just try to hit like 158. The fact that he was try- he probably knew he wanted to weigh more and still was under 150. Like that's that's red flag city. Yeah. Jacob, can you do
1: anything to make my parade a little less damp?
4: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S Y L V A N 29.com. No,
2: I went you, through. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to sugarcoat it. No, uh, I went through with uh, Kentley Platt's uh, relative athletics score. Two two Atwell, his at five foot eight. Uh, I don't necessarily know how to read height. Still, that's something that I struggle with. I think it's seven eighths that he's at yep. right now. Yep. Okay. Uh, and a one forty nine. He's at zero point nine one for height and zero point zero two for weight. Me, I myself am for a wide receiver two point one two wide receiver for height and a zero point five four in weight. So I mean keep in mind Tutu Atwell is also like 1.4 seconds faster in a 40 yard dash than I am. But <laughs> just one and a half seconds. It's not I a big bet I think I would bet him plus 1.4 again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, I tweeted out a video right after Easter. And keep in mind, I ran that like two, three hours after I ran my I ate my Easter brunch. I ran a 40 yard dash. I got a, a blazing four three. Uh, not going to lie. I too,
1: I too ran a four or five at my pro day
2: this year. I feel like all of us ran incredible numbers at our pro days this year, but yeah, I mean with Tutu Atwell, he's obviously an insane athlete. Uh, that's definitely not up for debate, but he's so small. And for a guy who's that small, he's not, I don't think he's as sharp of a route runner as I'd like. I mean, is there that raw athletic ability? Absolutely but I don't necessarily know how much nuance there is with him in terms of his releases off the snap and his uh, ability to consistently sink his hips like that. Uh, he's the type of guy, you get him out in space, you design him. Okay, here's so the he's ball. he's an astronaut. Exactly. <laughs> get him out in space and watch him do his job. Uh, All right. I, I've never heard that term before, but I actually kind of like that. Not gonna now, lie.
1: now that we have proceeded in making me much more sad, than before um let's touch on a couple of the late round guys before we flip the sides of the ball to the other guys out wide um a guy I've pretty much just kind of dedicated to watching more just because I I kept kind of noticing him while watching Kadarius Tony and Kyle Pitts in Florida and the travesty that is just Kyle Trask throwing a football and having just NFL players make plays for him and that's I kind of have developed an affinity for Trayvon Grimes, Grimes, not Grimes, <laughs> Golden Grimes, maybe, but that's different. But Trevon Grimes is a player that I think is almost being underappreciated because he isn't exactly fast. He's, but he's re, he's like reliable, like he's someone you know is going to do his job. I think he's kind of in the vein of um some, I, I guess I get a little bit of like TJ Hushman Zada vibes where you can line him up in the slot. You can line him up outside. He's not the best athlete, but you, he's there for you. And the ball, when the ball is in his vicinity, he's going to catch the ball. He's got good ability to fight for and high point the football. And he showed, he showed that time and time again at, during his time at Gaines in Gainesville. I just wonder if he's kind of, scheme specific where because he does lack short area burst and long speed where you almost have to scheme him open off of like bunch stuff, like kind of similar to what the Patriots do or what the, what the Ravens kind of tend to do where you're just like, put him in that Willie Sneed role in Baltimore and say, Hey, here's the mesh point over the middle, catch the football, get eight yards, fall down. He's a good football player. And I really have come to enjoy him because I think he's subtly slept on, but if you're if you're digging and grinding film, I think he's a really good football player, and that's someone I really have come to enjoy the past call it last two three weeks.
2: Yeah, and I think that's fair. I think that with his skill set, uh, I like the TJ Hushmanzada Zada shout. Not gonna lie, uh, TJ Hoshmazili,
1: TJ Hujamama. <laughs> <who's
2: your> <laughs> I remember. <laughs> The first like Maddens that I played were like Madden oh seven and oh eight, uh, Sean Alexander and Vince Young on the cover, so good stuff. Uh They couldn't find a way to. First, you
1: hear that, Brad? The first Maddens he played.
3: That's why. That's why I chuckled. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> You're aging, Dan, and I over here. Yeah. That's, oh that's my funny. God. Yeah. Like, the like
1: first that. Maddens I, sir, the first Madden <laughs> I played was Madden sixty four you you have proceeded to make me feel way too old here okay
2: so that stands for 1964 i'm guessing then um correct correct. okay
1: well i'm I'm gonna go i'm gonna mute and cry myself to sleep tonight it's okay
2: uh but yeah uh i don't remember what i was getting at but that's right uh they couldn't fit T.J. Hushmanzada's name on the jersey because they didn't have enough uh, characters on it because his name was so long. But, Amazing. Yeah, uh, those were the days. I was, I was five years old when Madden 7 came out. Oh,
1: oh my God. Yeah. Okay, Brad. Uh, that's enough from Jacob. What are your, do you? Do you, do you have any Trevon? Yeah, I mean- Grimes, thoughts before we move on? Yeah, out.
3: so, like, SEC East football is, is my football that I, I watch a ton of. So, like, I, I do know who you're talking about. Like, I, I have seen him play, but I'd be lying if I said I've watched any sort of film where I was focusing on his, on his production. Um, Fair enough. So, so, yeah, I don't want to make anything. Else. I will say just, just in the same vein, kind of, um, this is a, a shout out to uh, uh, EJ told me to, when, when watching USC and watching Amonra, he told me to check out Tyler Vaughn's, I think kind of in a similar boat. Um, he's a guy where no one's talking about him he's the other receiver uh, but I, but i thought he, he made some nice plays and, and is a pretty good player
1: awesome i'll have to check him out um, so i guess let's finish this up it, brad feel free to jump in if you're if you're't not comfortable throwing a name out there by all means don't um let's just give that one late round guy you think could just be a fun add to some team if, if you know a team fit that it might be let's try to do that but um a name i've always come across and i I'm not gonna rename him, but a name I've really come to like is out of Hawaii, and that's Rico Busey Jr. Ooh. Um, fun. I, I you'll come to realize with me it's just fun. Rico is very fast, very explosive. He's probably nothing more than a wide receiver four, and you could probably ask him to return kicks if you wanted him to. But I don't think he's really scheme specific. I think if you just want a dude who's fast and can get out in space and and just get, get separation and kind of be like what Mike, Mike will not Mike Williams. Um, Oh, Pittsburgh went down to Miami, Mike Wallace. If, if you want to make him that early in his career, it's like literally the route tree he runs is wheel and go nothing more. Just let him do it. He's fast. Let him get the, let him just take the top off defenses. Um, I mean, he's not the best in terms of, like hand usage and anything like that, but he is a big play threat. He's just someone I really have come to enjoy watching and it. But again, another player that's kind of hard to evaluate because I'm sure as you guys are well aware, Hawaii quarterbacking is nothing, if not grade a shout out to Cole McDonald.
2: <laughs> I was just about to say, you weren't a big fan of Cole McDonald last year.
1: I liked him as a late round prospect, but some of the people talking is if he was like a round four player or
2: you know yeah. whatever have fun he came out as a junior last year right i think yes, he, he, he should have gone he day.
1: should have gone back
2: yeah absolutely especially looking back at it now like how many quarterbacks are there who are even declaring for the draft like 25 or something like that yeah he would have been a redshirt senior this year i just looked him yeah. up
1: but yeah i mean i, I not there's nothing completely crazy about what I was saying about Rico, but I just kind of enjoyed watching him. So I figured I'd throw his name out there.
2: Oh yeah, I agree. I feel like I admittedly haven't gotten a chance to watch a ton of him, but the bit that I, I have watched of him, I was definitely impressed, especially when he was over at North Texas. Oh, which is Mm -hmm. weird to think that he and Jalen Darden were teammates. uh, But I like what Boosie brings to the table. I think he's, you know, for a, For his size, I think he's a solid route runner and he's got, you know, good hands. Uh, I do feel like he can improve a little bit in terms of uh, his variety of releases. I think he's sharp, but I don't know necessarily how uh, diverse his uh, releases are off the snap. So I'd like to see a little bit more of that, but I do think that there's potential there for sure. It's like a late round pick or, you know, worst-case scenario, I think he's an undrafted guy who can crack the 53-man roster for sure. All
1: right, Brad, any, any late-round guy you're kind of liking? Like, I know you're a Vanderbilt guy and a Tulane guy, right? So,
3: Yeah, but there's, there's no guys there that I'm aware of. I actually have two guys for you, um, and they're both just, like, track star speed guys that I think um, – you, you know, Anthony Schwartz out of Auburn is the first one, who's literally a track star – <laughs> um who like ran the 100 meter in like like a national record time in high school or something like that or maybe in college I don't know um has like no concept of how to play football really and, and, Bo- <laughs> and I mean no and like in Bo Nix like it might also just be the quarterback's fault but like he is insanely fast and so like he's almost like a Hester where like maybe you put him at receiver and see what he can do um and then Amir Smith-Marset that's also just Iowa's condition of like them they don't with the football and if they do throw the football, it's, it's not to a, you know, a, a true deep threat, which is, again, kind of, for right now, all that he is, um, absolutely bananas testing numbers, like an insane athlete. Shout um, out to Gwen Stefani. So yeah, those two guys, take late round flyers <laughs> and see if you can polish the game a little bit. Perfect.
1: Well, all I heard you say is that Anthony Schwartz is Tyreek Hill incarnate. So, you know, I'm in. <laughs> cut it up. Cut, cut the clip. Cut it up. <laughs> no. All right. Jacob, who's your late round? Who's your late round dude that might be worth
2: the two guys I want to talk about are kind of in that uh size speed type combination. Uh it's Simi Fajoko out of Stanford and Josh Amacha out of Illinois. Uh, I'll start with Simi Fajoko simply because I feel like he's just a big dude. He's six foot four and two hundred and twenty-two pounds, and he ran a four-four at his forty-yard dash in his pro Is that
1: day.
2: Fast? Uh, yeah, he's a fast dude. and <laughs> <laughs> uh, Like that shows up on tape. I feel like he's you a know, very good deep threat. His speed makes it tough to, to, for uh, defensive backs to catch up to him. His size makes it tough for defensive backs to box him out at the catch point. Is he raw as a route runner? Absolutely. And he'll be the first to uh, admit that. But I know for a fact, you know, that's something he said he's been working on uh, and he's shown some promises of route runner, but just the size and the speed alone that he brings, I really like what he brings to the table. Uh, A lot of people are looking at him as a day three pick. I'd be comfortable taking him around round four, round five, uh, have him basically redshirt for a year and kind of develop in that regard uh, and then unleash him in, say, year two or year three. But there's a lot of potential, and there's a lot to like there. Would uh, you Josh, unleash?
1: Would you call him the Kraken so you can unleash him? I I need to stop. Okay, continue.
2: <laughs> I guess you can say that. Fine, I'll I'll give you that. I'll throw you a bone here.
1: I have a bone.
2: Uh. <laughs> but as for Josh and that, or baby, I mean, he's not as big and he didn't run as fast at his pro day but he's still a quick dude and as for Josh Matt, Bebe, uh he's not as big as Simifahoko, he's about like, 6'1", 218 and he didn't run as fast either I think he was in the four fives, but he jumped out of the gym at his pro day, like you go back and watch the video, it looked like he was flying legit uh i want to say it was 46 and a half inches that he jumped which is just insane to me like that's that's unheard of like he can fly he can literally fly and that shows up on tape he's really tough to stop on those 50 50 balls he's muscular he's you know built very well uh And he's a smart route runner. I feel like he's got some ways to improve in terms of sinking his hips, but he makes pretty good decisions when he's running routes and he's got the ability to attack those leverage points and alter his stems to, uh, you know, kind of mislead the defensive backs and redirect them in the other way, which, you know, like subtle techniques like that, he does a very good job of. So
1: he was a transfer kid too, right? He
2: was, yeah. He started out at USC, but then moved over to Illinois. I want to say 17 or 18, something like that.
1: All right. Well, I think that pretty much covers it for a top, middle, and ending of the receivers. If you got any questions, you can obviously reach out to any of us on the Twitter device. But um, let's move on to the other guys who go far outside, and that is the guys who a lot of times played receiver, couldn't catch the ball. Shout out to Amy Brown again, and then <laughs> flipped to the other side of the football. And I know it's probably not the in vogue thing to do, but um, I'll just outright sell you my number one corner in this draft is J.C. Horn. I think he's absolutely awesome. He is, I don't want to say he is Stefan Gilmore because that's really tall timber and it's almost lazy because. You know he went to South Carolina as well, but J.C. Horn is really good, and I can only think of really one game where in Alabama Devonte Smith did give him some some problems. Which you know you when you can't get home versus a quarterback and you give that guy that much time to just get free, it's gonna give him give anyone some problems. But J.C. Horn is quite easily my cornerback one. I'm not sure where everyone else has him, but because I think the consensus is closer to three or four. But I just really like what I've seen from J.C. Horn, and I just know the, the analytics even back him is like no one really did much against him. He's just a blanket. You want your number one receiver covered? J.C. Horn is there for you. And he classic press man corner. He's big. He's strong. He's long. He's physical. I mean, there's just not much more I can say about the guy other than maybe he's not the best athlete, but that's okay because he wins in every other way possible. At least from a cornerback's perspective, but that's my opinion. I I have a glowing, sterling report on J.C. Horn. I think he's like probably I think I have him top twelve or fifteen in this class. I just got to find my my list here.
2: Um, yeah. So, <laughs> go ahead. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so with J.C. Horn, I mean, I feel like like I have Patrick Sertain at first as my CB one. Really? I, have, okay. I do. Yeah, uh, I have him as my CB1. Uh, Jay, see, here's the thing, and this isn't me crapping on the guy, I just really like other corners in this class as well. I still have a high grade on JC Horn and think you should go around one, but I have JC Horn as my corner four. <sighs> I'm just gonna throw myself off a bridge again. That's I'm okay. sorry, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I'm not, I, You're I'm not sorry. sorry, it's I'm
3: not, fine. Yeah, <laughs> I, respect it. I respect it. Go ahead go ahead yeah
1: (laughs) i mean i'm here for you go ahead i mean we're not friends anymore
2: it's fine i don't
3: don't (laughs) oh
2: god well losing your trust and friendship aside uh i feel like (laughs) jc horn is a good player uh and you know that's not to knock him at all for having him at corner four uh i love the way he plays the game i feel like he's physical he's intelligent uh He's a good athlete. You know, he plays a physical brand of football. And I love going back and watching that Auburn game, him against Seth Williams. Uh, it was the clinic and like Seth Williams had his fair share of good catches against JC Horn. Uh, but JC Horn was also able to lock him down and just demolish him on other reps too. It was a really fun, well-fought battle. And I think that JC Horn more than uh, held his own. The two other guys I have, at two and three i have caleb farley at two and greg Newsom at three
1: and so to touch on Newsom, i'm a big per if you really have a problem with soft tissue injuries i just those aren't something that go away that's an inherent thing within your body now it can be fixed but it's just harder to overcome it's like it's kind of the same way i felt about um The wide receiver, uh, Will Fuller, coming out of Notre Dame, where it's like he's awesome for the seventy-five percent of the time you get him, but if you're a lock to miss four games every year, I have a problem. I mean, there's he's not he's not by any means a bad football player, but and he he was on a very productive Big Ten defense in Northwestern, but Newsom just. The, the injury thing scares the absolute bejesus out of me because I think his tape actually plays up to that of a level of, of Patrick Sertan even. But that's just yeah, my I evaluation.
3: Charlie obviously has those question marks too. I mean, to mm-hmm. to opt out of the season and still need back surgery, I think is, is a little scary. Um, I, I know, I'm sure he'll still end up in the first as well, but I, I think like all the mantras that I had him top 10 and had him going to Denver, I had him going to Dallas, like, I'd be surprised if he goes. I think Arizona maybe at sixteen, probably the first spot where I think he could go. Um, but I, I'd be surprised if he goes before that because to not play and still need back surgery, the same back, the same back you already had operated on, uh, is a little scary. I also I have Jesse Horton as my second second corner uh, behind Sertan, but I respect the I respect the four. Like I said before, SEC East as an as an SEC East guy, like um, you know I'm never gonna pretend that I know a lot and watch a ton of tape on everybody. Um, But I do watch a lot of SEC East, which probably makes my takes a little bit strongly positive and strongly negative. Um, He's just so physical that at times it's almost to a fault. Um, You know, uh, I worry about some penalty issues and stuff early on in his career. I'm sure he could polish it out. Um, But, yeah, obviously, you know, the best press man corner in this class, no question about it. Um, And and his testing numbers, again, were were absolutely insane. But uh, I think Sertan is just like just polished, can, can do it all um and is just uh, it's so fluid and just every time i watch the guy it's it's like poetry in motion um but they're right. both very 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 good players
1: yeah um and the one thing as we touch on sertan uh jacob is gonna feel young again but <laughs> his dad was awesome patrick sertan senior was a bitch of a player and was awesome at his job
3: Hey, I think Joe, he was like Joe a, Horn was no slouch either, but uh, yeah, Joe, different. <laughs> position. I'm, different I'm position. speaking,
1: and, and there's if there's two things that I'm a big subscriber in when it comes to evaluating and understanding why a kid is the way he is, I'm a big believer in the big brother, uh, the little brother syndrome, where if you're the youngest of a bunch of players in your family, there's a good chance you're the best because you've always had to compete with your brothers. Now, that's not Patrick Sertan Jr., to my knowledge, and I'm a big believer of the child of a kid. If you grew up around this, you play the same position as your dad did. You're inherently going to have a leg up on everybody. Cause what did you do? You were around your dad all the time. It was the same thing. It's the same reason I loved Antoine Winfield junior last year had awesome tape at Minnesota, but I kept going back to the fact that Patrick Sertan or up uh, that, that, uh, that Antoine Winfield jr grew up run. he was digesting film at six years old in the vikings training facility that's unbelievable to me now i don't know if that's the same same thing for patrick sertan the second but i just know that that dude has bloodlines and tape that backs it up is he the best athlete on paper no but i think he just knows how to play corner and that's really big in his favor and that's why i have sertan as cornerback too Because he's technically refined. I I can't find an issue when I watch Sertan in terms of the way he plays corner. There's nothing wrong with it. He's just athletically kind of limited.
3: Yeah, no, he's clean. Go ahead, go ahead, Jacob. Oh, no, I was just
2: going to say, I think that's totally fair. Uh, I feel like, as I adjust my phone here, uh, I feel like Patrick Sertan, he's maybe not the most athletic guy at corner in this class, but he's sound. I think he's more fluid than he is fast and that's okay because more often than not, you're not guarding that, you know, that go route, that's stretching the field, 40, 50 yards or whatever. More often than not, it's shorter, more compact routes that, you know, focus more on fluidity and crispness than it does uh, just pure speed. Uh, especially if you're playing on the boundary, I feel like he's going to have a handful of guys going up against that'll be more, uh, rely a little bit more on physicality and going up against them on press there. Uh, So to the point of uh, the players that grew up around the game Mm -hmm. of football, like watch Patrick Sertan, we watch JC Horn, Asante Samuel Jr. is another good one. Uh, So, yeah,
1: I agree. I like Asante. yeah.
2: Yeah. And there's one, you know, I actually remember him playing, like Joe Horn, I remember playing against him in Madden no 07. Uh, <laughs> back to Madden no 07 we go. <laughs> back to Madden no 07. That was the game of my childhood right there. Uh, yeah, that was the year I first got into football and I played that game religiously. Man, those are
1: the days. So it's kind of funny because I, I was actually planning this segue anyway and you worked it out perfectly with, with Asante Samuel Jr. So Asante is like, I don't think – so when you talk about Sertan II, I don't think he's a lot like his dad in terms of how his dad played. His dad was more, I think, physically gifted in terms of what he could do, like just based off of traits and measurables. But Asante Samuel Jr. is like literally his dad, down to the way that he plays that makes you want to sometimes pull your freaking hair out (laughs) because he's, he's a gambler. Like he, yeah. if he thinks he can jump the route or sit and bait you with his eyes, he's gonna do it. He's more of a, he's not off man corner the way I would describe uh, Kyle Fuller, but he's he's like a middle. I, I don't know how to describe him. I just know that he's just he's a Rover almost. He just wants to do what he wants. He freelances. He wants the football. He wants to take it away from you. And he's good at it. He's, he, he's a really good ball hawking, like middling man corner. Like I like him a lot. And I just think he's, I think he needs to clean some of the stuff up because in today's NFL with us, with those, a with that want to go find the football and the nose for the ball. He's going to get beat on double moves. He's going to get beat on play actions and pump fakes and stuff like that. Cause he's always looking for the football. Cause he plays just like his dad did. And there's probably what his dad taught him to do. Go get the ball. And there's nothing wrong with that. He just. It doesn't, he needs to kind of be reined in just a little bit. And I also wish I'm a big fan of like corners, like, Charles Tillman or Namdi Asamoah, guys like that, where they were willing to stick their nose in on the run game. And Asante Samuel is a willing tackler, but he's not a good tackler because he's little, and he kind of just throws his shoulder at people in hopes that it brings him down. And that's yeah. how you end up with broken collarbones. But I like him a lot. I just wish that – I wish you – could I feel like you could wrangle Asante Samuel Jr. in from some of his tendencies that he's clearly been taught since he was a little kid yeah. and almost, and almost just teach him to be a little more selectively aggressive to use a weird term because he's always hunting the football and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just going to get you burned a lot. Cause if you remember that was Asante Samuel senior's big problem. He got burned a lot because he was going for the play. Yeah.
3: Enough and enough. I feel like, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, I think it's like for me at corner, I'd probably prefer the guy that maybe gives up some stuff underneath, but doesn't give up the you know, the boom play. Um, where as opposed to the guy who maybe turns the ball over more, is a bit more of a ball hawk, but also gets beat. Um, you know, like a Marcus Peters versus a, you know, insert name here, where it's like, do you, do you value getting that kind of, you know, great play at, ex- at expenses of him just getting absolutely burned over the top? Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm a fan of Asante as well. I guess the size may be a question mark, but he's not small or anything. But he's obviously not, you know, not big. Yeah, and I feel
2: like a thing, with, a big thing with him. Uh, we've been talking a lot about just that f- aggression. I like to use the word scrappy when I'm de- defining Asante Samuel Jr. Kind of like scrappy, do like the let me at him, let me at him sort of thing. Uh, he's a smaller guy, but he plays hard and he's aggressive and wanting to jump routes and make a play on the ball. You know, like y'all have said, sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, you're going to have to live with those times where he tries to make a play on the ball and gets burnt. I mean, he just called this man small.
1: That's like the nicest possible way of saying a guy is tiny. <laughs>
2: he's scrappy. He
1: called this
3: man small.
2: Oh, um, <laughs> I'm trying to be polite. I'm trying to be polite. 'Cause I know yeah. he could still whoop me any day, probably if he, yeah, you know, you know If he we're got all, angry, we're all getting in fights. it's
1: fine. Uh, you're fighting Asante <laughs> Samuel Jr., I forget who I'm fighting, but he's coming for me. It's fine. Whatever.
2: Um, we're all so, gonna get our asses handed to us, it seems exactly. like
1: exactly. Um I do want to touch a little bit on uh the pair of Georgia corners. So there's okay. the they big the big guy who blew up his pro day and this Eric Stokes, who his testing seemingly made him straight up first round caliber player. I don't think his tape really shows that, but I do think, I will say, I think his tape shows the athlete that he is. And the uh, then his teammate uh, Eric, from Eric Stokes, and that is Tyson Campbell. And Tyson is a little longer, but not quite the athlete that Stokes is. Um. Kind of weird to bring it up though, because when you bring up teammates normally from the same school, you normally say one's inside, one's outside. I actually think it's the, they're kind of in a way in terms of schematic fit. They're, I think they're both tet- more mainly outside guys. They're taller, longer guys, just one's a better athlete. So I'm just kind of curious where you guys sit with them because I mean, I, I haven't watched, I've only watched Campbell by virtue of the fact that I've watched Stokes. So I just kind of know want to know what you guys have seen when you watch them.
3: I think you should dive into more Campbell because this I know this probably goes against the grain and I, I'm probably wrong. It's not that everyone else is wrong. I think I like Campbell more than I like Stokes when I and I've watched them both a decent amount. Um, he, he he's a, he's really fluid on, at the line of scrimmage. Like he he's um, I don't know. I've I've enjoyed his tape a lot. I, I think he I get why Stokes has been the, the name you're hearing more of, um, but I, I've been a fan of Tyson when I watched him. All right. How about you, Jacob?
2: Yeah, I definitely agree. I think Tyson Campbell has a lot to like, you know, he's longer. I think he's a bit more physical. I think he's a better tackler. Uh, But I will take Eric Stokes solely because of, I think he's a little bit more polished in terms of his route recognition ability uh, and his athleticism. Uh, And it's close. I, you know, I not going to disagree if, you know, someone says, you know, Tyson Campbell's better than Eric Stokes or they like, you know, or even they like watching Tyson Campbell a bit more than Eric Stokes, but I currently have Stokes a bit higher. Uh, I have Stokes uh, corner five right now behind those four guys we were talking about earlier. I have Stokes at five. I have him uh, as a solid, like a second round pick. I don't necessarily buy the first round hype for him. I think that is a little bit more reactionary, but but, uh, because of his testing, but I do like what I see with Eric Stokes. I see a guy who's, you know, still pretty long, even if he's not as big as Tyson Campbell. Uh, he's athletic. He's, you know, pretty smart. He's sound uh, in zone coverage, which you know I'm a fan of. So yeah, I, I feel like you can't really go wrong with either of them. I'd be okay taking them in day two. Uh, round one, I think, is a bit of a stretch for me, but there's potential with both of them to work with for sure.
1: I mean, like I said, I there's not much I can say in regards to to Marshall that hasn't already been said, and I don't feel comfortable uh, commenting on someone I haven't watched enough. Or I'm sorry, in terms of Stokes, I've watched and Campbell, I haven't. Just, I just haven't watched him enough to warrant a, a a very harsh criticism. It's another guy I'm planning to get to with the last week leading up to it but I just, you know, life, I, I can't just sit down and watch film all day.
3: <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> so someone I do want to touch on before we get to some of the middling guys and touch on a later round player or two that we will like. I really still can't shed my love for Paulson Adebo. And I can't help but think that I want to say, Jacob, correct me if I'm wrong. He got hurt to end 2019, right? That's what happened to him.
2: I'm pretty sure. Let me double check on that. Cause I, so I'm sure I'd have that in my notes, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That sounds yeah. right. So Paulson Adebo
1: is from Stanford outside only corner, but I think he's a guy who can come in and start almost immediately. He, 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 he comes with his, you know, to invoke the name of the podcast, he comes with his hard hat and lunch pail every day to work. And he, he really just brings it against whoever is lined up against from him. He's super instinctive, is willing to stick his nose in on the run, which is a huge, huge plus for me. He you know, wraps up, bring puts his outside shoulder right in the chest, and he finishes hits. I just can't help but wonder if he's getting penalized for not playing last year And I want, to say, I want to say he got hurt But I can't seem to remember off the top of my head So And and I know he was eligible last year And he chose to stay And I can't remember if he opted out or got hurt And I'm working on finding that But I'm going off of his, his tape yep. from 19 And I just really think That some team is going to get him In the back half of, of the second round Or early in the third And they're going to get themselves a player Who's going to start for a long time because he is long. He is a really good athlete, especially like a, you know, you'll hear the term functional a lot when it comes to draft scouting, but he's a functional NFL player in terms of he moves well, he's long, he's strong. He can do a lot of things he needs to do. And he has good feet. So I prefer him outside. I think he can play inside if you really need him to, but I wouldn't really want to test that. That's just me. Yeah. Um, but that's a player I really like. And I can't help but think is almost getting overlooked like a lot of guys who opted out or didn't play last year.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think with him and I did find out he had a season ending injury near the end of 2019
1: uh, and That's he was healthy was. for
2: 2020, but he opted out.
1: That's what it was. Okay. I, so it was both. <laughs> I was just, yeah. You know. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And even then, even with missing a couple games in 2019, he still finished with four picks and 10 pass deflections. And the two seasons he played, he combined for eight picks and twenty-one breakups, which is really that's that's bonkers to me that that isn't getting talked about enough. His ability to his nose for the football, his ability to enter the frame of another wide receiver and just make a play on the ball is impressive to me. Uh, he's just a smart, sound player, in my honest opinion. I think that he knows what he's doing. He's able to pick up on route concepts well. He can read an offense and read the situation. And say, okay, you know it's third and long they're you know they're going to pass whatever third and short they'll go whatever I feel like he's very sound in the way that he moves and the way that he plays and his processing quickness and he's fluid maybe not the fastest guy out there uh but I like his fluidity and I think he's pretty physical and willing uh near the line of scrimmage and I agree I think you can put him inside but he'd really be better uh, suited outside and I'm hoping mm-hmm. I'm hoping as a Bears fan, because I've run these mock draft simulators plenty of times, I'm hoping for my selfish reasons that he falls to round three. Uh, But I don't think that's going to happen in real life. I think that some teams going to take him late round two, realize, okay, he didn't play in 2020, but his his tape from the prior season is really good. Mm -hmm. And just the way that he's able to enter – a receiver's frame, the ability to track down the ball and make adjustments in the air. I think he's really good. Uh, and I agree he's not getting talked about nearly enough. Is he a first-round talent? Not quite. But he's dang good. And See, I feel and like he's not going to be That's where I think shirts. I might
1: disagree. I think he is a first-round talent if he plays. He was borderline
3: last year. And that's coming off. I remember, off who, I remember people talking about him last year, and I feel like there's probably a knock that he kind of came back to – um you know kind of solidify that he was a surefire and then he opted out yeah yes. I think they're probably holding that against him that he opted out a bit but he's the guy I remember like this is again like two years ago like, he he was a receiver in high school I believe I could be making this up but I'm pretty and he, he plays like he was a wide receiver at some point in his career like his he attacks the ball like what, what, the 50-50 balls apply to him as much as it does the receiver like he, he plays like he wants to come down with the football
1: absolutely so let's touch on some of the middle round guys since we we kind of already have started that um, that little train anyway Where, who is someone you are you think is someone that is a player i should say that when you get to those round 3 and 4 areas that is a can't miss this is a, a player you need and and if you got a scheme that they think you fit in or that you got a team you think could develop them well like whether it be because of the coaching or the schematic or just by sheer need, like, oh, this team has a great pass rush, but they have te- they tend to have problems with receivers over the middle of the field. So this nickelback could be really good for them. So I'm, I'm going to open the floor and see what you guys think or have to say. I'm always curious because I want to just chime in that way.
3: I'll jump in with one that um, if he makes it to the third, I feel like it's a guy where it's like you just have to just jump on it. Um, he's got your, your favorite little, little brother syndrome, um, or, or I guess I could, but yeah, but, uh, Melophonu, I think you probably know where I was going there. He's just like, he's a physical specimen. I, I mean, the dude is a freak athlete and he's like, he's huge, he's all of six, three, um, which I guess can kind of work against you a little bit. Um, but I don't think it does with him cause he's just such a good so, athlete. Um, so
1: you might've actually made me privy to something I didn't know. Is he, is he the Yukon safety's little brother? Ifiatu he I believe he, so. Is There's
3: he, he yeah, something? Let me see. I'm pretty confident there. Yeah, he's if he's not his brother, he's his cousin or something. Nope. Uh, I'm pretty what? sure it's. I know they're related. I think it's bro, I think that's uh, Obie's his older brother. Yeah, so he's the here you go. So he's the youngest of five. You're, you love him now. Dan just raised oh, his yeah, grade. I, by he's my... he is the number two <laughs> prospect in this draft. Yeah, Give yeah. Me. So he's, he's the youngest <laughs> of five, and he is his brothers with um yeah with with the older one um who is it Raiders Raiders draft pick?
1: yeah um, yeah he was the yeah, one that yeah, blew yeah. up his pro day
2: and. <laughs> uh but yeah, I got my guy here, uh Benjamin Saint Juice.
1: I hate you. You just do just you you crap on my people and then you take my mid round guy. Whatever. I'm it's sorry. <laughs> I you know what? We we you know what this is? This is us agreeing too much through three episodes. And yeah, now, and now we just have to fight about
2: it. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, it it was a fun run. It was a fun run. It really was. Uh, but yeah, I like St. Juice a lot. Uh, and I feel I feel like I'm emphasizing Juice a bit because I didn't know how to pronounce that for the longest time. Uh, and that is how you pronounce it because he's from Mont. He's from Quebec. He's, you know, one of the Canadian prospects who are entering this class. I want to say it's him from Quebec. Chuba Hubbard. Yeah, Quebecer. Uh, him, Javon Holland, Chuba Hubbard, Elric Jackson, Josh Palmer, and Amen Ogbon Bimiga. The, that the, that uh,
1: last one is a Madden-generated player, and you can't convince me otherwise. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I don't know if I got it right or not. I was trying to spell out the name in my head and, you know, enunciate, but, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's a talented group of Canadian prospects, for sure, and St. Juice is one of them. And, his tape was really good uh he's like a six three corner and that's something that's so rare uh just, not only that but a guy who can move as well as he does he's fluid and he's got you know pretty decent speed too uh but along with that i mean and i don't i want to be the kind of guy who puts so much stock into uh the senior bowl over tape and I'm not doing that but I was very much impressed with what I saw from him at the senior bowl because those one-on-one drills, it's very much kind of rigged against the defensive back because there's no pressure for the quarterback to get it off a certain amount of time. Really? Uh, the receiver has the whole field to work with. Uh, he can, if he doesn't win with one move, he can cut in an opposite direction or whatever. It's very backyard football kind type of play. Uh, and St. Juice did a very good job. He held his own and showcased his ability to use his length, to jam guys, Uh, through their stems and his fluidity and changing direction. He's a big guy who can move incredibly well. Uh, And he's a very good tackler as well. So I feel like he's a guy who can step in and start. Is he raw? Yes. But I feel like there's a lot to like with him. I feel like route recognition can improve, but once he gets that done, I think that he can be a really good starter in the league. And yes, that's a little bit of a risk to take. I wouldn't take him much higher than, late round three early round four but I think he's good and I think that's a guy that you can look at and say all right we can you know slowly ease him into the defense in year one and then build him up into a bigger role the year next
1: yeah that's fair I mean I really like St. Juice too and you can't you kind of said everything I was wanting to say and you know that's that's about it like there's not much more to be said for St. Juice. as and I mean, I really am starting to be a believer and if you can get a Minnesota Gopher defender in like the middle rounds, you might as well do it because for whatever reason, PJ. Fleck really seems to have a knack for recruiting those kids and getting those kids coached up. Um, my guy is is more or less um, kind of, I think, not talked about in some regard. But I really like Thomas Graham Jr. from Oregon. Um, I'm a big fan of like you use the term feisty, which is a nice way to saying undersized. Yeah. But <laughs> um this guy is a little feisty and he he's a no oh, he he's willing tackler. I think he – because of his His size, he could go in or out at 5'11", 197 pounds. I know some people have said he's an outside-only corner, Um, but I do like him in the fact that he is willing to stick his nose in there. He's really competitive. The motor runs hot. I mean, just watch him play at Stanford in 2019, and you'll see everything I'm talking about. Um, Not the best test athlete in terms of what he could be and whatnot, but I think he's competitive enough and he's got enough, you know, of being just a quote unquote football player, which I know sounds really stupid on a draft podcast, where you're like, Oh, they're all football players, idiot. Well, yeah, they are, but he is just in essence, a football player. Like, like Brad had brought up earlier today, Seth Williams. And that guy is a track star playing football. Not all football players are created as football players. They sometimes make the transition to it. This this kid from Oregon is a football player. It's what he's played. I think he lacks some requisite coverage instinct, but I think his ability to find ball, tackle ball, and just kind of play inside or outside if needed in in Thomas Graham would be would do someone well like the fourth, maybe fifth round. So and before, I think we're getting to the point where we can kind of wrap it up. I gotta, I guess, I just want thoughts because he's someone that I, I use the term "pull my hair out" when I watch him for Asante Samuel Jr. And I, I, you guys might have an idea where I'm going with this out of out of Ohio State, and that's Sean Wade.
3: Oh boy! And,
1: and I think people are legitimately just all over the map on him. I personally hate watching his film because he can go from one rep looking like he knows that like he's doing everything correctly to the next rep. He looks like he's lost on the football field and has no idea how to even play football. I'm curious as to what you guys think of him and where he, his draft positioning is. Cause it's like I said, at some points he looks like a round one guy and other points. You're just like, I wouldn't touch you with a seventh round pick because I don't think you can play. It, it's like his, his peaks and valleys are literally that insane. So I, I guess I'll turn the floor over to you guys in terms of that.
3: I would just say that I, I've seen several teams have asked him if he would play safety, if he's interested in playing safety. Uh, I think he's going to be an NFL safety. Uh, I just think it makes more sense at this point. Um, yeah, I agree with you. The peaks and valleys are, are, are kind of wild play, snap to snap, but also like year to year. Like he was, I think he was worse this year than he was the year before. Um, you know, when, when I watched him 2019 tape, And obviously he came into the season as, as, you know, people thought he could be like, take that next step and become a really good player. Um, You know, I I think he's got like, um, like like he he makes plays on the ball. Um, And and I think he also moved in the slot a bit. So maybe you kind of have him just as a bit of a rover in the middle of the field. Um, And and then that's probably where the, you know, the kind of the safety thing comes into it. But it sounds like that's where NFL teams want him. And and it kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I just don't know if that's what he wants. <laughs> Probably not.
2: Yeah, I feel like with Sean Wade, uh, it's a tale of two seasons really because coming out of 2019, I was shocked that he decided to uh, stick around for another year. I thought he could have uh, maybe not been a first-round pick, but like a solid early second-rounder for sure coming out as a nickelback. Then they moved him outside, and he got torched. I don't know exactly what it was. I feel like it was kind of night and day with his ability to just diagnose from the outside, as it was in the slot, and it was it was just tough to watch because he came into the 2019 season looking so good, but 2020 he found himself having you know laps in judgment and coverage, uh, kind of struggling to make plays on the ball uh, and. You know, turn his head and be able to attack the ball like that. He was more so playing in recovery. Uh, I feel like, like I still really liked his 2019 tape, so I'm holding out hope that okay, this was more of a fluke because he's not a very good outside corner. He can play well in the nickel, and that's where I think he should be. You know, be playing the next level. You, you can move him around in a handful of positions. I've seen some sites projecting him as a safety, uh, but. All told, just because of that 2020 season, I feel like teams are going to panic a little bit. I'd feel more comfortable taking him late round three, early round four, but I, so, I could see Sean, I could see Sean Wade falling to day three, just because of you know teams being so worried about how he performed in 2020. Would I mm-hmm. like, I'd take him late round three, but I feel like he could fall later, potentially.
1: So is it a fair assessment to say his idealized role might be as like? I mean, we talked on our the show we recorded earlier today, Jacob, a lot, a little bit about positional football, where you make him almost like a dime back or nickel safety, where you kind of just let him, like to use Brad's term, rove over the field and just kind of use that that athleticism and the size he's gifted with to let yeah. him just play football. I know it's not what he necessarily wants, and it's not the sexiest thing in the world to do, but. It might make his career last. Cause I think if you try to make him stick outside, I don't think he can do it. Like, I mean, and I know that could be if he, he if he were to by some grace of God hear this and like, you know, maybe he puts that in the memory bank and then, oh, I'll show you. Cause you know, these athletes are weird weird, specifically football players where they look they hunt out their own press clippings and whatnot. Shout out to Alan Robinson. <laughs> and they they make it a point to store it in their brain and their memory bank and like use it as motivation. And I, but I just like I I know, I know I've said that already said it, but he's just maddeningly inconsistent. I I can't get a gauge on how good or bad he actually is because sometimes he's awesome, sometimes he's terrible. And I just I wish I just had a better baseline to judge him off of. I yeah, it. I definitely hear you
2: yeah all right well it's maddening for sure
0: yeah
1: well i think that about wraps it up today guys i mean i do apologize for a couple of technical difficulties that you're bound to hear when i clean this up as best i can with my rudimentary skills but uh thanks to you brad for coming on and 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 shooting the shit with us and chopping it up what let the fine folks know where they can find you at
3: yeah uh you can follow me on twitter at pff underscore brad um and we're obviously you know, putting out all sorts of draft content and everything like that. Um, but you know, the football season is is upon us. Right after that, you know, it's a three hundred and sixty five day calendar. So, uh, yeah, that's that's where you can find me. And thank you guys for having me on as the uh, the first guest of the of the program.
1: We appreciate you coming on, my friend. Believe me, Jacob. How about you? What's going on?
2: Yeah, so y'all can follow me on Twitter at Jacob twenty four uh, twenty four. Check out my stuff here at Windy City Gridiron as well as the Draft Wire. So. That's where you guys can follow me. Uh, you can hear our stuff here at Lunch Pail Draftcast. And I also do have a radio show uh, in Columbia, Missouri here. Uh, it's called The Rough Draft here on 88.1 FM KCOU. So follow that as well. It's in my bio, you know, the whole deal.
1: Man, Jacob just has so much going on. He always forgets to plug his draft guide that you can pick up off of his Twitter page. It's his. I, I it's forget
2: his that again. I forgot tweet. it again.
1: It's his pin tweet. He can't even plug his own damn merch. Uh, what the hell, man? Well, you can find me <laughs> on the twittering thing at Dan Me and Emma's and Mary E E H A N is Nicholas the numeral nine zero. Jacob and I sound like we're going to be recording again this coming Saturday. We're coming hot and heavy with more and more breakdowns to try to get you guys as caught up as we can, especially on the middling and later round, guys, if we can, because Lord knows you've heard enough about the top 50 dudes in this draft class. You probably are pining for a little bit more. Thanks, and see you guys later. Enjoy your week.